every episode of Final Space. 23 fans, storyboard artists, producers, composers, animators, designers, voice actors. Welcome to Volume 3 of the Into Final Space Podcast, hosted by Gabe Jones. Welcome to today's episode of Into Final Space, Volume 3. Today we get the chance to chat with Jake Sidwell, a composer on Final Space. We've had Jake on the show before uh, in written form when we did our episode with Shelby, but we're so excited to actually be able to talk to him in person for the first time today. My special guest friend Trexian today is Leah, and we're going to jump right into our discussion of this episode. All right, I am excited to welcome Jake and Leah to Into Final Space today via Skype. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, Gabe. Excellent. Thanks awesome. for asking. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here and really excited to be chatting with you guys today. Same. Same. Awesome. Well, of course, uh, Leah is our fan on this episode today, so I'm going to leave it to her to go ahead and ask our first question. Howdy. All right. So this is uh, on episode six, which is, I mean, it is a big deal on season one. So I'm sure all of these questions have already sort of been asked, but I'm just really interested. Um, so how did you actually get the job uh, in season one in the first place, Jake? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, and also really quick preface for anybody listening. If you're not familiar with Leah, uh, she's known as Color Mix Online. She's like an unbelievably talented, very young, very talented artist. Uh, definitely give her a follow on Twitter and stuff. And that's color uh, the British way, C-O-L-U-R. <laughs> uh, excellent, excellent artist. Really, really cool work. Incredible Her artist. Home. Very good. Yeah. Um, so I got the job. <clears throat> excuse me. Olin and I had been working together for years doing stuff. Um, and composing was kind of like, uh, a backseat thing for me. It was never really the focus. Um, and it just sort of became a need, um, on certain things that we had been working on. And for the pilot episode that most people have probably seen on Owen's YouTube channel, uh, I had done that score. So that was me entirely. And that was my first real, like, uh, major scoring thing that I had done. Previously, I just worked on, like, some short films for other friends. My friend Justin Robinson had done some things. Um, but scoring the pilot episode was uh, unbelievably challenging because I had no clue what I was doing. Like, I'm talking absolutely no clue. This is not, like, false humility. I was <laughs> making it up as I went. I had no idea what I was doing. Like it was all based on like things that I had heard on other soundtracks I enjoyed. And like Olin and I talking about ideas and sort of what the sonic landscape should be for final space, like organs and like pianos and strings, um, really sort of gentle instruments. And then like really, really big instruments. So there's sort of that contrast, uh, which is sort of space, you know, it's kind of the idea of space. Um, after I had done the pilot episode, uh, obviously we, things sort of s snowballed, um, like frighteningly quickly, which a lot of people who end up in Hollywood talk about that kind of thing, you know, where it's like, we weren't doing anything. And then suddenly it hit really, really quickly. Owen's getting all these meetings out in LA and talking to producers and studios 
And then suddenly the show is greenlit and Olin asks me if I want to do composing for the show since I composed the pilot and sort of came up with the sonic landscape, how final space should feel and sound to the people watching it. Um, I was absolutely terrified. Uh, I had already felt so incapable of doing just that short pilot episode that I was like, how do I come up with that much music for a television show? Like, I don't know how any of the like logistics work. And so, yeah. Uh, and then they, I had to send over, uh, to Rosa, um, who, who works for shadow machine. Uh, I had to send her over sort of like my portfolio, which by the way, I don't really have a portfolio. It was just kind of like, uh, the few shorts I'd worked on. And then I think I'd worked on like a series or a feature or something at that point. So I sent her over that stuff and, um, she was like, yeah, this is good. Uh, let's move forward. And we just did. And I signed the contract and we were just in at the time. I had also been talking to Shelby who was living in, I think she was maybe still living in Ohio at the time, or she had just moved to Nashville. I'd been asking her about final space. Um, I kind of wanted to bring her on as like, um, I had heard some of her music and sort of like gave me this like Florence plus the machine vibe, like sort of these cinematic pieces. Yes. And I really wanted her music to sort of punctuate those moments. So like, obviously there was like a moment in season six where I wanted uh, one of her songs that kind of fit at the end um, and different things like that. So I had talked to Shelby about uh, coming onto the show. I told Olin about Shelby and he was like, yeah, I'm down with that. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of how that, all happened um yeah i think that's the that's the gist of like the the beginning of it before my downfall <laughs> oh i mean that was that's really cool um okay my my second question is um yes. the the progress of it all so like uh hmm. what are you given to work on when you figure out like what to put so do you get do you get given like the animatic or do you get given the finished product or like yeah. Uh, well, uh, it's many things. So we are given, um, they try to give us as much as possible as soon as possible. So obviously the animatics, um, which to people who are unfamiliar are basically like storyboards. So just like almost think of it like a comic, um, but like moving a little bit sometimes. Um, it's like usually black and white, very little color, if any at all. Um, and they do just sort of radio play, which is just like, it's not always necessarily the voice actors recording the parts so that we effectively have like a skeleton, uh, to sort of start building ideas around. So they'll send us the animatics as soon as they have something for us to look at and we'll begin the, the scoring process. Um, and then it's just stages. So then they'll give us a more complete uh, piece. And then eventually they'll give us what they call locked. Um, and in animation, um, they can do a lot of like tiny little changes really quickly. Um, and so like oftentimes we'll score something and just like a little minor change will affect what was a three minute and three second song is now needs to be two minutes and 57 seconds. Like exactly. Um, well, if your song ends perfectly at three minutes and three seconds, just sort of speeding it up a little. It's like, it can get really complicated. <laughs> um, so there were a lot of times where we would have to completely rewrite a part because it's six seconds shorter than it was before. Um, 
but yeah, once you get locked, typically locked means locked. Um, they don't usually send us like locked 2.0. Like it's usually when you get the locked, you're done and you can really be confident that, okay, this is what they want. We can really lock down these pieces and get them down to the exact, um, numbers that they need to be. Um, yeah, that's pretty much how that, how that process goes is animatics. And then, like I said, step by step sort of as they, as they get more things, more color and like, oh, and they'll also give us something called temp music. Uh, if you're familiar with that, um, it's effectively like oftentimes they'll use like Hans Zimmer or like, you know, like library music that gives you a certain feel. Um, and so effectively the, the, the temp music is to let us know, this is kind of how we want this scene to feel. And musically, these are kind of the ideas that we want in it. So if they're like, here's a big brass number or a huge strings, or like, here's a tiny little synth part or piano part or whatever else, they'll give us kind of ideas. But oftentimes as well, um, if they, if we can convince them that we have a better idea, they'll be like, yeah, go with that. They've actually... Uh, in my experience, at least on season one, when I was actually doing the scoring, um, they gave us a lot of, a lot of freedom to, to make our own decisions. Um, sometimes those decisions failed utterly. Uh, but <laughs> that's part of the process. Like I, I think honestly, a big part of the process, at least for me, since I like had no idea what I was doing, um, was doing things incorrectly enough times that you, knew sort of what they didn't want, which definitely narrowed things down and helped considerably. So, um, yeah, I know talking, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Uh, I know talking to a lot of, uh, you know, compositors and retake animators, there's mm -hmm. usually a lot of stuff that happens after they get the animation back, uh, during post yeah. that, uh, <laughs> that has to be accounted for. So I can imagine yep. that might make the job a little more difficult. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes they'll, like I said, like, will be very close to locked or even very rarely the episode will be locked and then they'll get notes back from the network or like an exec high up will be like this needs to have a joke here this needs to be taken out or this i feel like this would confuse the audience or whatever else and it's just like this is not something that can be argued whether or not the executive is right uh obviously this is all subjective um but those are the people in charge so sometimes like you just said like far late into the process you'll get a note that now affects every other um every other office all the way down um everybody has to make those changes and it sort of cascades and you can feel it like <laughs> the anxiety across every department is kind of like all right we'll make this change <laughs> um but you know the season got made so you know that's that's television i guess that's show business baby yeah um my okay so this is kind of like uh, like a sub question i guess so when you and shelby like work on an episode do you guys like combine your efforts or do you guys like choose parts to do okay i have some opinions on this because well i want to preface it all by saying again like i had never done anything like this before and shelby had done even less like so I prefaced sort of earlier talking about how I was specifically bringing Shelby on to sort of do these punctuated pieces. And like, I was also going to be giving her like, um, more, uh, options or more, um, not options, opportunities, excuse me, to score some stuff that she had never done before so that she could sort of get into the saddle and get into the hang of it. And like, um, 
at least get to the point that she felt comfortable, you know, learning everything. Uh, I'm going to need you to um, remind me of the question once I get through this tangent, because it is important, but my memory is really bad. So it's hard for me to remember things that just happened a moment ago, but let me get through this tangent really quick first. Um, so when we, um, when I brought her on to do that, unfortunately I became super ill and was no longer able to, um, head up the composer job. And so Olin, uh, he asked Shelby if she thought she would be able to do it. And she said, yes, he, effectively gave me an opportunity by asking this other person who was supposed to be this team effort between Shelby and I, by just essentially flipping our roles and like saying, okay, Jake, can you still, do you feel like you'd be able to do something? I told Olin, no, uh, I was really sick and I was getting more and more sick and we had no idea what was going on with me. Um, and like just the stress of having worked on lion's place. Cause we had just sort of finished that, uh, I was getting sicker and sicker and it was really, really hard to work on Lion's Place. And that was not TV. And I didn't even know how stressful TV was going to be. So getting pulled on to this, like I had, I told him, no, like, I just don't think I can. He's like, why don't you think about it? Talk to your family and stuff. And like, just figure out like your absolute answer. Yes or no. Do you think you'd be able to do it? Cause he really wanted me to be a part of the show. Um, and he really fought for me to be able to do it, like to give me that opportunity. Um, him and uh, David Sachs really fought for me in the room. Like, we got to have Jake doing the music. It really meant a lot to me um, that they did that. So I had to really think hard about it. And um, I think I probably made the wrong decision because uh, I decided to say yes and be part of it. Shelby would lead... Uh, would be the head composer and I would be her co-composer. And, um, that ended up being how we did the season, which brings me back to what was your question? Um, so when you guys like, uh, compose for the episode, do yeah. you guys, uh, like do it in bits? So like you say, right. okay, so Shelby does this bit and that, or do you work together? Right. Okay. So yeah, this is again, why I had prefaced earlier that we were both very new Shelby even more so. Um, so she, she had to, she had to do a lot of learning on the job, uh, as well as I did. Uh, but she was even newer to it than I was. So like her having to head and like, uh, delegate to me what she wanted me to be doing. We had some communication issues. Like it, it was not easy. It was really, really difficult. And, um, you know, we, we try to do our best to figure out what was the best way to go about it. I would say eventually at the very end of the season, probably episodes eight through 10, um, we came up with a better system, uh, because effectively our first like seven episodes, the system was just like, here's a piece that I think I can score. Here's a piece you think you can score. Like, here's maybe where some of your music would work. Uh, I know that I can do this like sad part. Like we kind of had things that we felt we were more comfortable with. Shelby felt more comfortable with the action sequences. I felt a lot more comfortable with the drama. Um, and so we kind of delegated that back and forth. Um, and I think that was a really poor way to go about it. Um, that's both of our fault. Um, because again, we just, and I wouldn't even say it's our fault necessarily. We were just so new and we had no one guiding us or telling us what to do. 
And we asked a ton of questions. Like I was trying to let them know, Hey, we are green. We really have no idea what we're doing. Please guide us. Please help us do this. Cause I wanted it to succeed so badly. And I, I constantly felt like I was dragging the show down both with my health and the quality of the music that I was putting out. Um, I just felt so disappointed in myself cause I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, it just like kept compounding and compounding and compounding. And, uh, eventually, like I said, we like finally decided near the end, like episodes eight through 10, like, okay, what we really need to do is like, not just like you do a cue, I do a cue, you do a cue, I do a cue, but like, give us a section, like a, a break, like up to a commercial break, you score all of this music, then I'll score the next commercial break because our music libraries didn't line up. Like we had different pianos we were using, like the string libraries were different. Like, uh, we, we had different decisions that we were making in the way that we were scoring music. We had, uh, disagreements about like what music should fit and how it should sound and like what parts of the orchestra should be used and like how those are supposed to sound. Like we were different people scoring different music to the same show. And like I said, I think episodes eight through 10, we finally got uh, to the understanding of like, okay, to make this make the most sense and for the music to be as cohesive as humanly possible, we need to be scoring full sections and not just flip flopping back and forth because it can kind of feel a bit like uh, the music has multiple personalities, you know? And I think uh, some of that came through in some of the earlier episodes where we're like kind of wobbly and you know, not really on solid ground. We figured it out later. And I think that that shows in the music in the later episodes, especially. That's, that's yeah, really I, interesting. Yeah. Shelby uh, has kind of echoed those, those same thoughts. And when we've talked to her on the podcast and yeah, I think it is just, uh, and it's not just you guys, but I mean, tons of artists that I've talked to are, you know, straight, this is their first job. They've never done yeah. anything like this before. So it was, it was a big learning curve for everybody. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Olin at the same time, like, you know, he had never, he'd never done television. Like granted the guys, right. he has a massive amount of work that he's done and he's, he has rightful confidence in the work that he's done because he has a unique voice. Um, but yeah, he had never done it either. So it was a lot of newbies. And honestly, like I, I have to give it up to TVS and Warner for like, granting all of these new people like Coty, same thing granting all of these new people like key roles in this show and taking a risk on us like i'm so relieved that the fans connected with the music because i felt so like out of my league and i felt like i was failing olin and failing the show and like my my sort of um philosophy when working with Olin, the reason I had moved out here, I basically I had in my head of like, if Olin ever asks me to do anything, I don't care what it is. My answer is yes. I'm always going to say, yes, you need me to do something. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You need me to roll around in the dirt with a <laughs> bunch of like weird makeup on my face in a stupid costume. Like, absolutely. Yes. You need me to scream fantasy nonsense in the woods. Yes. Like it didn't matter what he'd asked me to do. I would say, yes, that was sort of my philosophy. Um, and so when it came to final space, like I wanted to be the number two, like I wanted, I didn't want to be in the spotlight. I wanted to help Owen. I wanted to assist him and make sure that he succeeded because I really believed in his vision and what he was doing. And like, that was more important to me than what I was doing. 
I wanted to be secondary to him always as a support, like how can I make his work succeed? And so given this opportunity that like a bunch of people who I know, love and respect would have killed to get and probably deserved it as far as their skill level in music way more than I did. I had to do the best job that I possibly could do while being unbelievably ill and completely ill-equipped to do the job. Um, so again, got to hand it to TBS for taking a risk on us. And again, I'm super, super thankful that the fans connected to the music the way they did. Uh, cause I did not feel like I was doing the job that the show and Olin, uh, deserved, but it's, it's really relieving and refreshing to hear that from the fans. Yeah. Your views uh, you and Shelby's music are actually really pretty. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, the next question was, uh, is there any like inspirations and things that helped kind of like shape the soundtrack and all that stuff, especially for like episode six, since, you know, mm. they had the big finale at the end. So like, was yeah. there anything that you kind of. Well, the uh, the end sequence, that Sol Seppi song that had absolutely nothing to do with us. Um, in fact, we fought that on multiple occasions uh, <laughs> through the entire scoring of episode six. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a composer's ego, right? Like you want your music to be there. Uh, and I actually did score, well, Shelby wrote a song for it. Uh, they decided not to use that. Then they asked me to do, uh, like a score for it. I scored it. Uh, I honestly think the score that I did for it is really good. Um, <laughs> you've heard it. Oh yeah. Gabe, Gabe's heard it. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, very good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would love to like post that with the video, but that would be illegal. Um, <laughs> honestly, I think it was really, really good. I was really disappointed that they use, and I want to talk about this. Ben Bajilajak was the director of episode six, which honestly I think was one of the pinnacle episodes of the entire season, potentially the fulcrum of the reason people love the show. Yeah. Um, so that's the episode that I scored pretty much from start to finish. Um, Shelby did, um, a piece that led into the soul Seppi part. Um, so sort of like she did like some of these oohs and ahs and stuff that led right into the soul Seppi part. Um, if people are not familiar, this is definitely going to be a spoiler. If you haven't seen it, uh, episode six, of season one, the death of avocado. Um, we fought Ben Bajilajak on this. We really did not want him to use this song, not because the song wasn't great. It was, and it killed and people loved it. Um, specifically for me, there are moments in a show thematically that music can strengthen. And since that moment, in my opinion, is such a fulcrum point of the entire series, the death of Avocado, uh, there was this song, this piece that I had written, which I refer to as the same club song or the Dead Dad's Club. <laughs> what happens is when after um, Gary's dad dies in episode eight, the song plays. But it's also the, the theme that I had written, and I'm not even sure if Olin knows this. It's, it's the theme that I had written for... Olin kept calling it uh, the avocado and little Cado theme. It plays when little Cado and avocado meet for the first time. When you see them in the glass window, like he can't get to his son every single time after that, when you see them together, the theme plays, it's just these sort of three chords. Well, I expanded upon it in episode six 
that's the theme, the thematic music that I had written for the end of the episode, the death of avocado, the loss of his father. This theme had played through every episode where we see them together, or we see little Cotto thinking about his dad. And then we get the fulcrum point, the most important moment of their entire relationship together. And he wants to play Solsepi. I just completely disagreed with that. Like it just defeated any power that that theme could have had in the future, which in episode eight, it should have was completely mitigated because now the theme didn't have the power. I wasn't able to expand upon the theme. Um, the piece that I had written starts out with avocado and little Cado's theme, those three chords. And then it starts moving into the, the same club theme, uh, that I then play in episode eight, the themes perfectly merge. So his father dies and it's supposed to represent all, all of these fathers dying. And then we see Gary's dad die and I play the same theme there. And then he comes down to earth and little Cotto and Gary come together. And he's like, I didn't realize we were in the same club. And the theme plays right there of like, now you're realizing, oh, okay. And so those musical moments that should have pinpointed those emotional moments, I just completely disagree that that was the right choice. That being said, very effective emotionally for the scene. I just think it was a really, um, it pulled the rug out from under the composers, the single job that we have to do, creating a thematic <laughs> musical uh, yeah. language for the show. And I was completely you know, and maybe the music that I wrote wasn't good enough. Um, I would say that for most of the show for that moment, I actually fundamentally disagree, which is a pretty bold statement for me, considering I don't like most of the music that I did for the it's, show. It's pretty exceptional. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Gabe. I really appreciate that. We definitely worked hard on it. Um, you know, but again, it's sort yep. of, is, it is like Ben Bajilajak is a really great director. Like he's directed a lot of the best episodes. I don't think he's a bad director. Uh, I just think that like from a composer's standpoint, that was not the best decision to make, uh, musically for the show. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Cause it is such a, a pivotal moment. And like you said, I think it's a, it's a moment that a reason that a lot of people like the show because yeah i think a lot of people remember where they were at <laughs> when avocado yeah, died right yeah um, absolutely yeah, so so to lose out on that moment that yeah that's and with such a good piece um thanks yeah really definitely yeah we uh again like i said that episode uh i was pretty sick through the entire uh scoring process of every episode uh, like I had been in the ER twice during the, the, um, scoring of this season one final space. So I was very, very ill and continuing to get more and more ill. Um, the fact that I was able to work on episode six, almost in its entirety was really, really meaningful to me. And like, to me, it was like the best music that I had done because when I talk about what we did in episode eight, nine, and 10, where it was like, okay, one person score this big section so that it makes the most sense musically cohesively. Um, being able to score an entire episode like that, there were themes that happen throughout the entire episode that weave together and finally culminate in this big section where, um, they're rescuing little Kato and the Lord commander and Mooncake comes down and like all the stuff is happening and they're rescuing and Quinn's coming down and rescuing them with the galaxy one and all this stuff's being blown up. They've got action and drama and everything all together. And I wrote what I think is probably the best 
piece of music I had done for um, the season in that section. And the reason I think the music in that part works so well is because I was able to work it through the whole episode. And so it finally, like, it felt like one voice, one language was being spoken. Um, and, you know, I think it, it translates better when there is, and this is the reason, uh, on, um, when I was coming on as a consultant for season two, uh, as a composer consultant, um, I, I told them that even if like my health returns, I don't want to return as a composer to the show at any point. Uh, it's not because I don't believe in final space or don't love final space or love Olin. Like I want to do everything in my power to make sure that final space succeeds. Um, I don't want to confuse the voices anymore. Like I don't want to, um, have like Andrew and Shelby, I think are closer than Shelby and I were as far as their like creative voices merging and meshing. Well, um, I don't think that, uh, my voice meshed very well. I think that you could kind of hear the major differences between, um, our sounds, like both of our libraries and the, sort of way that we compose. Uh, and I don't want to, I don't want to confuse the show and come back. And now we've got three composers and, you know, I appreciated that they would even want to ask me back. Like that's, uh, really humbling, but, um, I think it's more important to the show that it has a cohesive voice that continues through the seasons and the fans can rely on, okay, this is what the show sounds and feels like. I can rely on that. We have like steady ground to stand on and they can continue to build the themes that they want to do. And, and I won't be confusing, confusing the voices at all. Cause I think the integrity of the music is really, really important to the show in my opinion. Well, thank you for working on season one when you did. I've, season one's actually my favorite season. So um, mm. yeah. Um, my, yeah my other question kind of just was like a, a general topic, like um, thoughts and feelings on episode six. It's a, it's a big episode. Um, I'm just kind of interested. Did you like kind of know about this beforehand, like before the show kind of became a thing or did you like know on the day kind of, of working? <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, Olin and I, um, well, we had worked on the pitch together with, um, David Sachs when they were originally pitching the show. Um, so, I was in the room with them in the first week about when they were coming up with the pitch and the ideas that they were going to start shopping around all the different, um, uh, what do you call it? Studios, excuse me. Um, so I had heard a lot of the ideas that were like pinnacles of the show of like, this is really dramatic. It's going to be sad and melancholic. This is not family guy. You know, this is not even Rick and Morty, even though it shares some similarities with that show. We want to do our own thing here. We don't want it to be episodic. You know, we want it to have an overarching story. Um, so I did know about uh, several of the key points of the show before going into it. Um, and that honestly was one of the first things that we got animatics for. Like, I think even before episode one was the death of Avocado that uh, <laughs> they handed off to Shelby to do like one of her pieces for. So she had been writing music for it way in advance and none of that music got used in that episode, obviously. And I think it was because, uh, Ben had been so set on, and this happens all the time in the industry. A director gets so set on a piece of music 
whether he like really loved the song or had been listening to it or whatever, when he was writing it, they get so connected to this piece of music that now it cannot be divorced from their intention for that scene. So, uh, again, this is, this is not really a criticism of Ben Bajilajek because I think he absolutely crushed the episode and every episode he's done, uh, since then, it's more just a criticism of in general, like the dismissal of, uh, a meaningful score in, uh, the dismissal of a meaningful score by use of like pop music or other music like that. I think it can be really, really effective and it has been really effective. And like I said, in the scene, it totally works. Uh, I just think there were some missed opportunities there. Um, but that being said, like this moment in the show, it was one of the earliest things that we learned about. And it's kind of like, when you think about like the rise and fall of the whole show, like it was kind of like leading up to rescuing little Kado, Avocado's death. And then the show kind of tapers off and then the finale. So it's like, that is sort of the fulcrum of the entire show was like the death of Avocado. Uh, so yeah, like everything that we were scoring sort of before that, like there are no like real happy moments with avocado and little Cato that I scored. It's always punctuated by a little bit of melancholy. Like every single time that they're together, it's never like, ah, finally the cathartic release of, ah, they're finally together. Even as you see them finally reunited and like going up you know, like the Lord commander throwing the bomb up on little cow's back. Like the music that's playing is not like hopeful and like happy, you know? And then mm -hmm. Shelby's part that comes in after that, that's not like a happy song. It makes you feel at unease. Like that whole episode, there's a bunch of unease through the whole thing because we didn't want you to feel at any point that it was like, you know, a done deal. And then you get gut punched at the end of that episode with the death of um, what I think in that episode, he became one of the favorite characters prior to his death. Um, Cause Gary and him have like finally are having like this really good back and forth and becoming really good friends. You know, they do the bro fists and everything. Um, and then he dies and it's like really tragic because you finally are like, Oh, I really like this character. And then he gets pulled out from under you. Mm -hmm. I think that's yeah. what so tragic is people were finally able to fall in love with them. Um, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, okay, so yeah, I think I I kind of always saw uh, episode six coming because of the uh, concept art. I I mm. made that god awful theory video way back when, but um, mm. yeah, I was I was uh, very. I mean, I understand it was a sad scene, but uh, for me, I just kind of. I might have gotten like a little bit too excited only cause like, you know, Olin had hyped up the whole, this show yeah. has real stakes and, and consequences yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And it was like, it was interesting to see uh, a main character get like ripped from the show like that. And it just, it added, it added like real kind of stakes at this point. It was really yeah. good. I like, there's this part of me too about season two. And again, this is another spoiler. Uh, about season two where they bring avocado back i am of two minds because it's like i love avocado so much and i want him to be in the show all the time always forever uh and then there's the other state of mind where i'm like oh, i wish they hadn't brought him back because the stakes 
felt so real before. And now it kind of feels like maybe anybody can be brought back, but like, I also really love avocado and I want to be in the show, but, uh, the steaks. So I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm of two minds about avocado. Like, and I, th- I bet Olin probably feels the same way that like he wanted avocado to stay dead, but also loves Coty and like loves avocado and their dynamic Gary and avocado's dynamic is so good in the show that it's like when it's gone, it's felt, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm just of two minds about it. <laughs> Nah, I, I totally yeah. get it. I'm, yeah, there's a I'm, lot. I feel the same way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like bad or good. It's just kind of like because it's there. It's like okay, I accept it. Yeah, avocado's back. I'm happy about that. But also, if he had never come back, I also would have been happy about that. You know what I mean? I'm very interested to see uh, what Olin does in the future because he said that he set up like a, a like a season arc mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, I can't yeah. reveal anything about that. Yes, of course. You know, I have um, writing for, uh, I'm a punch-up writer now for season three. Uh, I can't say anything specific, but I can say, in my opinion, this is the best season so far. As far I'm as very excited. The ideas <laughs> that they have, it's the scale is so much bigger, um, but it doesn't like jump the shark, I would say. It's just like, it scales well, and it's well-paced. Uh, and the jokes are more nuanced, I would say. Um, they step back a little bit from like the absurdity, like weirdness that they had in season two that Olin yeah. definitely did not enjoy. Um, yeah. And I think focused more on like, uh, like situate, like think about season one. I think one of the best gags that happened was, uh, I believe, is in episode two with uh, Melanie DeWinter where he yes. dons her skin and then runs into the family of the skin that he's wearing. Yeah. <laughs> that situation worked so well because it didn't come out of nowhere. They were in the story already doing the thing that was happening. And then he just got swung into this other beeline story while they're, while the story is still going on. It wasn't like, Oh, now let's just do a, a piss battle or like, you know, let's play this game or whatever else. Like, the situation was already happening in the story and the joke could be contained within it. And it just worked so well. And I feel like that's a lot of the strength of the comedy in season one. Uh, and I really feel like they brought that back in season three. Uh, again, I can't talk about specifics, but, uh, one character, uh, who is both, um, maybe loved and not so loved in the community has some of the greatest, (laughs) has some of the greatest interactions in this season. Awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much to to both of you for coming on the show today, and uh, Leah for asking all those great questions, and Jake for giving us some some really good insight into episode six. Hey, absolute pleasure, and thanks so much, Gabe, for for doing this uh, podcast for the fans. I think it's really really cool that you're doing this and able to uh, connect everybody like this. Um, I think more people should be talking about this podcast because it's really really good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks to Leah for helping me with today's talk with Jake about Chapter 6 of Final Space. Until next time, follow me at Gabriel W. Jones on Instagram and Twitter, and follow the show at Into Final Space on Instagram and Twitter. To chat about this episode with me and Leah, join us on the Into Final Space Discord server. We'll see you next time on Into Final Space. Thanks, guys. <laughs>